1: Hey, what's up, everybody? I am shocked and thrilled that I get to say this, but I am here live in person with Artemio. How are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here with you both.
1: Uh, thank you. I am so thrilled that uh, we get to do this. Um, and I, I guess I'd like to start out doing what I always start out doing is do I pronounce your name correctly, Artemio?
0: Oh, well, uh, in English, it's, it's usually the way that you pronounce the E. But okay. in Spanish, we say Artemio.
1: OK. I'll tr- I don't think I could pull that off. I think I would. Say that. That,
0: that's completely fine.
1: You know, it, I'm very hypocritical in that. In that, when I try to say other people's names, it's very important to me that I get it right because a lot of people, you know, your name is your identity. I want to make sure everything's cool. But I don't care if somebody gets my name wrong at all. Uh,
0: you know something? <laughs> I think that every every single word changes when it changes language. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens uh, with uh, I don't know sports names and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's completely cool that that it changes wherever you go, right? It also, I don't know if you find this, uh, but I, I, I've noticed that people change personalities when they change the language as well.
1: Yeah, I've seen that every now and then, and it kind of, um, I'm trying to remember who was just telling me the story, but they uh, they grew up in Spain, and then they came to America, and when they would talk uh, between their parents and their friends, their body language would change, yes. everything would change, it, it was awesome, it was really fascinating. It is, it is. Yeah. So. Um, so I guess for people uh, that may not be fully aware of what you do, um, I think you're one of those people where a lot of people use your software and your work without really knowing that it's your that's doing it. So would you give like a little rundown of your your uh, your projects that you've been working on lately?
0: Lately, I've been working on a on a project called Envivoria. That's mm-hmm. um, that's a, a tool to analyze audio, uh, mm-hmm. mainly game console audio. It could be used to to any kind of uh, uh, audio device, but it's it's designed to run on, on old consoles, and there is uh, one part that's uh, uh, we we call it the, well I call it the tone generator that generates the tones that will be analyzed, and then have an analyzing tool that analyzes that on the PC. So you run it on a console, record it, and use the PC to analyze the difference between two audio signals. It could be an emulator and a and a console, two different consoles, something like that. Also, the 240P test suite. It's a a group of uh, of tools Mm -hmm. that uh, run on different consoles. That's my main focus lately, yes.
1: So um, the 240p test suite has been a tool that has completely changed the way that I approach video capture and testing some of the consoles that I test in.
0: I'm so happy Um, to hear that.
1: Yeah, the the checkerboard pattern (coughs) is how I calibrate phase and all of the direct capture. And without that, I mean, for the for the consoles that don't have the 240p test suite we're so spoiled with that that I have to set phase I usually take like a title screen and then I go into a game and it's 15 minutes to figure it out whereas if there's 240p test suite on the console I just open it up move the slider that's it it's all set <laughs> so uh, but it's not just that of course you have audio and video tests you have the scroll test which is such a help for um, for both testing between 480i and if 240p is processed as progressive or interlaced, but also for tube TVs, any CRT, if you get that wave effect on it, you know that your geometry's off, and it's so easy to just have a, a, something that you could push a button, and it's there. You don't have to load up a game and go to a level and, and try to do the same things over and over, so it's, it's really helpful. Um, where What made you start to do that? What was the very first you know inference for that?
0: Well, it's it's a multitude of reasons. Like uh, in everything, it was just a special combination and a special moment. Because uh, my background was on, well, I'm a software engineer, Mm -hmm. but uh, my background was on TV broadcast at the time. So, and I was into home theater. Mm -hmm. But I've always uh, been interested in how stuff works. And I kind of understand the world by measuring it. So I went into scalers. I got an XRGB Mm two. And I wanted to know how it worked. And that particularly accentuated itself when I got uh, an xrgb tree and the frame master, because the change to HDMI was, uh, was a big one. Mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to know if it was doing the things that it was supposed to be doing the right way. Mm-hmm. And there were nothing, no tools out there. So I, I was in the position that I, I, I like to know how the console works internally. But uh, I don't want to make a game. Mm-hmm. But I want to. I want to make something that's useful. So I ended up saying, "Okay, uh, I should just place the test pattern, and in particular, I wanted to know if uh, a checkerboard at full resolution would be solved by the by the scaler, and also if I alternated that between black and white, right? And just." changing the checkerboard Mm -hmm. between positive and negative. I wanted to figure out if the scaler could put up with that. And also, I wanted the grids for CRT geometry checks. So I made those on the Genesis and um, sent those to to Fudo so so I could get some feedback Mm -hmm. and see if that would be something that the community in general would be interested in. So I got some feedback, and there you go. That's how it was born.
1: That's absolutely awesome. And it's funny, too, when you work on projects like that, like Retro RGB started out as a, a Google Doc that I shared between my cousin and a few friends. And we thought, well, maybe a few other people might like it, so let's make it to a website. Like, we had no idea people cared. And it's it's funny to hear you say, oh, let's see if the community might want this, where as soon as it was released, everybody went, whoa, <laughs> this is perfect.
0: <laughs> but, well, not really. It, that's that's also one thing that would be uh, good to know for content creators in general because even if you push something out there, and, and, and maybe it's useful, but maybe it isn't, this was something I made for really myself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the main user here, for, for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when you push it out, don't expect it to be exacted, accepted immediately or, or some feedback immediately. It'll take time. Right?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, do you remember exactly when you uh, when you released it? Because I definitely remember exactly when I discovered it.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. It was in Jan, not January. It was like June, two thousand eleven.
1: That all right. So I probably discovered it in October or November of that year mm. because I had just started to get uh, get the website together. I just decided it was going to be a website. And I was trying to find a way to get test patterns on a Sega Genesis. And I thought, well, I remember Sega CD had that CD plus graphics Mm -hmm. ability. So let me look into seeing if I can get test patterns. Maybe I could Google how to make CD plus G. Then I started going into it. And maybe 15 minutes into my research, I stumbled across your software and went, it's already here, <laughs> somebody already did it. So I burned it to a CDR, and that was my, my first experience was the Sega CD version of that. Oh, good. So I think that was before I even owned a ROM cart. So it was yeah. just, uh, yeah, it was awesome.
0: And that was the idea. I, I, I really wanted to push a Sega CD version because uh, it was way easier to get a CDR mm-hmm. than a flash cart. But it's, it was a nightmare for me to, to make that work. And at first it was just like a quick hack with uh, some, some other people's work, mm-hmm. awesome work that uh, was, it basically was just a Sega CD loader and the Genesis version just being pushed. Right now, it's, it's way better. It has Sega CD-specific oh, yeah. tools and, mm-hmm. and some specific code. But uh, yeah, it, it is, it's interesting that you bring up the test patterns because that, that means that you were used to using them elsewhere, right?
1: Sort of. So I've, I've never been an expert at something. I've always been the middleman that knows a little bit about a bunch of stuff. And I, I just knew that if I had got simti test patterns and uh, full color screens, I would it would help for calibration.
0: But you knew that.
1: Yeah. The I language. didn't really know what to do with it, but I knew that I needed it.
0: Well, it, it's interesting because people tend to think that test patterns are just like a, academic, mm-hmm. right? But they are uh, they're extreme cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that helps uh, check in everything that's possible. Like with MD4U, people think that uh, it, it's a taste, test pattern in itself in some way. Mm-hmm. The the idea is that you you cover the full range. Mm-hmm. And same thing is with video patterns, right? You try to cover the full range, but some people don't trust that. They think that the combi- endless combinations are richer than the than the test pattern. And I understand that, okay? That's...
1: Yeah, so for me, uh, it was Steve from HD Retrovision that has been m- my Sherpa for the test patterns, I guess, because um, a lot of people will use the test patterns as an example to say, all right, well, you see the way red and blue bleed together, that's wrong. And Steve was the one that showed me how that reacts in real, in real life. Mm-hmm. So he could look at one of the patterns and go, okay, that's off. So check out this part of this game you'll notice that's it a, there right yeah so that was and even things like um, even measuring on the oscilloscope same thing steve's been very patient with me and teaching me how to look at the lines to know what that's going to affect so I'm, I'm still at the point where i mostly just quote the patterns and the scope plots but i'm starting to get better at understanding the real life um, implications. implications yeah but that.
0: that's the that's the interesting point because test patterns are meant to just condense a bunch of things and in an easy to find or easy to go to place, right? Mm-hmm. And uh the real case scenarios where that's what's what we experiment, that's what you want to play in the end, are harder to catch because it's like level five on Sonic on that screen. So it's that it's they're just a shortcut. Mm-hmm. a condensed shortcut.
1: Yeah, we were joking around in the Discord the other day how I used to always use that picture of Link <laughs> yeah, that's in true. Zelda. And I'd always, I, I always use the one right when the game started. And I think it was Firebrand X that recommended that I just go to the first save point in the game, because okay. then you have the swords that adds another pattern of color to it or something. And uh, to be honest, I almost never use that anymore, because I'm able to show these things in different ways. So that's, uh, you know, your, your software has certainly helped for that. Uh, and the other thing that it's been tremendous for me was with testing lag. Okay. Um, the, the stopwatch in there. So uh, I guess I'll explain how I use it, and maybe if you wouldn't mind explaining how it works a little bit, but I always split the console's signal, one directly into one CRT monitor and the other into whatever scaler that I'm testing and then put them next to each other. And since it's always less than a millisecond to get uh, an analog signal into a CRT, then whatever the difference is is how I can measure the lag. Um, But how does that stopwatch pattern work and what do the individual colors or the numbers inside represent?
0: Oh, well, uh, that was a futu's idea because I had a a lag test before that I hate, (laughs) but I've never removed it, the manual lag test. Mm -hmm. It's meant just to to get a feel. Right. Okay, it's just a, a practical thing just to... Get a feeling of how it feels, the feedback. It's never intended as a scientific proof of anything. Right. Right. But uh, he said, well, we could split it and then you could make a counter that just goes frame to frame. And it's, there, there are eight circles. Mm-hmm. And it's, each circle is blue and turns red whenever that frame is selected. So, so you just count to eight and go back to one, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea is that you take the picture and Depending on what sensor the camera has, it'll it'll be same frame full or just same line at least, Mm -hmm. right? But it'll be cached uh, in both, and you can count how many circles there are between them Mm -hmm. and tell how many frames the signal is delayed on the other display, Mm -hmm. right? It also has a counter with the numbers changing between blue and red so that you can kind of tell. And recently, like, a year or two ago there are some black bars on the on the sides and those black bars uh change between black and white okay oh yeah and okay. those are meant for high speed cameras because you can tell what scan line the progressive display is changing at the moment in regards to the crt with those bars
1: that is incredible you know i honestly didn't notice and i use your i use that it's got to be once a week now on average <laughs> Um, but ever since I got that 960 frame per second camera, I, I, now I'll go back, I should be able to notice that. Yeah, you'll be. I use, for this, I mostly use those 8-inch test monitors mm. that are very beat up. So I, I, it's probably outside of the, the screen range, uh, so I'll probably yeah. have to get the geometry back in. But that's an awesome feature.
0: Yeah, and, and it was, you know, it's... it's when, I, when I made the suite, I open sourced it. Mm-hmm. My idea, one of uh, w- There were, like, three goals for the suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was to create the test patterns, Test patterns are meant to, to uh, you know, um, have a snapshot in time of how a console analog display works, mm-hmm. and then replicate that for the future, for preservation. Okay. Also check if emulators are doing the right thing. That was part scalers. Mm-hmm. That was part of, of the idea. Uh, the other goal was for me to understand how they work. Mm-hmm. So that's personal. But the third goal was to have an open source project where people could learn how to code for a specific console. If they want to start up, because Back in two thousand eleven, there were no uh, examples other than the SDK examples that were small, right? Right. But uh, I bring this up because that uh, modification to the two forty p test suite manual lack well passive lack test pattern mm-hmm. that was the first contribution uh, ever from somebody that was uh, like a patch like this. I bring up forth mm-hmm. and uh, I could integrate into the suite and and. Unfortunately, it has been the only one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 strange. Uh, maybe uh, people don't know that's possible, but it's a constantly changing uh, set of tools. So if anyone wants to contribute, they are completely welcome to do so. Any suggestions or, or good enough uh, ideas are just implemented. You, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you wanted those a- ABU uh, color bars. They are now in there. Yeah, that's, that's
1: awesome. You know, when you say that though, I think I think the reason people don't contribute too much is it's a, a pretty full set of tools at the moment. But have, people have ported it to other consoles. There,
0: there have been some ports. Uh, an amazing port by Pinovatch for the NES mm-hmm. and Game Boy. The, he's done he's done great uh, work on that. And also, there's been some PlayStation. It, it's not finished yet, I think. But he's, uh, he was working on that, not, not Pino, but somebody else. And there's also an inspired version for Neo Geo. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the, there's no audio tests in that, unfortunately, oh, I but that I hope they implement those. And there's also the Sega Master System one that was oh, yeah. inspired by that as Oh, yeah, well. and
0: that's really amazing. The guy did a really, really good job.
1: Yeah, and he's even, I think he's adding tools in there so you could tell exactly what chips and what revision board are in there based on. what. I, I
0: love doing are. that, okay. getting as much information from the console as possible and displaying it back. Absolutely. Because the thing uh, I, I thought when I was making the, the 240-based test suite was I'm inside the console. What can I do that mm-hmm. I want to know from the console that I couldn't before? Yep. right? And uh, I, I recently implemented a set of tools for Sega CD to check uh, that Sega CD units. I've not had the, the time to make a small video on that, but the idea is you ca- it's, it's a little-known feature or, or of uh, Sega CD, but it's always on when it's plugged into a Genesis. So y- you have complete access to most of the Sega CD hardware, mm-hmm from the Genesis when the Sega CD is turned off, so in cartridge mode. The idea is that um, you could play Sega CD audio, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Well, the the CD-RAM audio from the Genesis cart, like Pure Solar does, right? Right. But the thing is, you can also access RAM, BIOS, and and that stuff from the cart. So if you have a Sega CD unit that's dead, you plug the 240p cartridge uh, into it, and you can check rams the bios checksum and also uh have a memory viewer to just check the memory map check bank switching and all the registers from the sega cd from the genesis site and that way you can diagnose what part of the of the sega cd is failing
1: that is incredible that's such an awesome feature to have too because um sega cds as you know are very finicky sometimes and you know, even if it's not just the helical cure that's broken, which is, in my opinion, the biggest pain that I've run into, but you never really know what the issue is. And the um, the traces on the bottom, especially of the Sega CD two, are very thin. Yes. So I did a, my, the first time I ever recapped a Sega CD two. I was so proud of myself. It looked it looked professional. It looked great, and it wouldn't turn on. I understand. And I had to bring yeah. it to my friend Jose, and he had I think he, um, he used the magnifying glass and found where I scraped a couple of traces. But I like my. My hand never slipped and hit the board. It must have just, you know. I, it's a,
0: yeah. it, you know what it is? It's, it's temperature. You have to have a perfectly controlled mm. temperature for it. I made the same mistake.
1: Oh, so, yeah?
0: Yeah, years ago, I made the same mistake. And that's this, the kind of thing that, that brought me to this because I wanted to repair that. <laughs> so there are no tools to do it. I wanted yeah. some tools to do that kind of thing. And, well, the the idea is that, just like the Sega Master System version tries to give you as much information from the console as possible, Mm -hmm. I kind of try to do that. I'm I'm always looking for ways to to get some more, right? Mm -hmm. That's why it also checks the BIOS bios and everything else, the the checksums. And the idea also is to, you don't have to dump the BIOS, but you can check with the suite if it's already dumped and documented.
1: Oh, that's a great feature. And that's something that... um, you know, there's been a few times that I've seen people stumble across versions that aren't out on the internet yet. Yeah. So being the having the ability to do that is really awesome.
0: Yeah. There's 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 a lot of problems with that because they usually are byte swapped, and there's also some registers that are shadowed into that space. So there were different dumps. So I grabbed them all. Worked with Leo for for. Uh, he did, he did the region-free versions mm-hmm. and recognized those and made a small database of all the checksums. Mm-hmm. So now it can identify which version you have and if it's uh, properly burnt, if it's a region-free region one. And uh, it can tell you from either an official or the known patches that we have, which version you have.
1: Hmm. That's pretty awesome.
0: And if it's swapped, it also yeah. tell you that. Because I made that mistake as a rookie. I, I burned it as, as, as they were downloaded, mm-hmm. and it's ByteSwap, and it won't boot. It will tell you it's ByteSwap. Just reborn the ROM, and you're done.
1: Right? Oh, that's awesome. So now, it's a, now it's, it really is more of a test tool as well, not just a test pattern. Yeah, yeah I, really I,
0: awesome. I, I had to change the menu structure and have a new entry at the beginning that says hardware, hardware tools. You go into that, and those are there.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I really liked how you reorganized the menu and the structure of that. Um, it was it wasn't bad before, but this feels uh, more natural.
0: Yeah, It so. was so cluttered because everything just le- was added in.
1: Yeah, um, so I guess the uh, the next project I want to talk about, which has been a giant help for the Triple Bypass project as mm. well as the Mister team, of course, is MD Fourier. Um, so I. I try to always explain it properly, but it's essentially, like you said, a test pattern for audio. Mm-hmm. But it's a way that people can use a, a measurable unit to to compare one version of a console to another. That's right. So no more relying on your ears. No more, you know, if you have a cold, your you know your hearing's going to be a little bit off. You know, stuff like that. And that's been that's been a help for so many reasons. So. For, you know, selfishly, many of us love the VA3 version of the Genesis 1, so we want to have whatever we're using sound like that. But it's also preservation-based, too, because when you have a lot of these, uh, like the the very terrible emulation consoles of the Genesis, the sound is awful. Who knows what's going to last the longest? So if, if you didn't come up with this... You know, our grandchildren might think that that At Games console is how Genesis sounded. And now we could have a metric to say, you know, here's the original sound. We could um, tweak all of our emulators and the the Mr. Project to get it sounding like an original. And I think the uh, Mr. Team's even working on um, switching between like model one, model two. So you could actually have a legit different sound just to match the same consoles from when we were kids. So that's incredible. Well, um, what made you come up with that idea, and how did you even get started?
0: Well, it, it was, again, a combination of factors. I have, um, I, my office is way on top of, of where I live, mm-hmm. and whenever someone rings a bell at home, I never, I never listen to it. Mm-hmm. So I made some, I placed a Raspberry Pi with a Fourier transform that checks for the microphone for, for, the, for the ring mm-hmm. every second, and whenever it catches that, it, it rings me to my phone, okay? So I had some experience with that and also made a lag test suite for the, the Dreamcast. It's it's little known fact, but if you have a, a microphone for the Dreamcast and place it into the Dreamcast with a 240p test suite, mm-hmm. you can do a lag test with audio using a Fourier transform in the Dreamcast in real time. I use that to go to stores and check mm-hmm. the, the audio chain and, and video chain. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I had some experience with Fourier, okay? and uh, i was invited to check if uh, some some audio was right in, in second genesis and we were doing it by by year mm-hmm. and uh, i i have a regular hearing i'm, I'm an audio enthusiast mm-hmm. uh, for i've been so for years where i wanted okay we need a test pattern <laughs> okay and, and and i already have experience with Fourier, so i wanted to throw something together i threw something like in three days got it working but obviously, it was very rough. All the output was text. Mm. And nobody, uh, nobody cared about the results. I could say, it's like 57% accurate. OK, that means nothing. Right. Right? It's hard to visualize that. Yeah, really hard. So I, th- I said, well, I think I have something here. I need to just like shape the output, right? So I decided to, to plot the results and also make it so that you could compare, two, Because I, I didn't, you, you, a single unit uh, wouldn't be as that, that's, that's useful, right? Right. So I wanted it to contrast two versions. So you have a, a reference and a comparison file. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the way. You want the relative differences between both. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. So that's how it, it, it got integrated into what it is. But what it really, It's interesting about the results is that you can see how the relative levels of each one of the synths inside of the system uh, is against each other. So you can tell if PSG is 3 decibels higher or lower and just like match some reference that you want Mm -hmm. and also the noise channel. But the thing is that we figured also so many myths about Genesis Audio in general, right? Like now we know that BA6 5.0 Four and three are very similar, Mm -hmm. no? And and we used to think that they were really different, right? No, that that's the kind of thing I love about that. There's like one decibel difference between a model, a version six and Mm -hmm. and a version one, the version three, sorry, and also version one two are not they are different, but they are not as different as a model two, right? right?
1: Yeah, I I loved I loved seeing the progression of all of that, and I remember when you sent me the software, I was so excited, and I knew I didn't have as much time as I'd like to spend on it, so I passed it on to uh, to friends that I knew would would be super excited about it, and um, seeing seeing the differences between them, and also seeing how now uh, you could tweak even people who had the version one of the triple bypass, mm-hmm. you could just change a couple of components, yes. or on the version two, you could make all of the VA1 through VA6 all sound identical to each other now, yes. with no difference. That is such a relief because a lot of people, you know, whether it's their original console, they don't they don't want to get a new one, or it's, sometimes it's hard to track down this. You don't even have to worry about it anymore. Just grab whichever one, you know, replace whatever capacitors aren't removed from the audio, and then install this, and you get yourself as close to a perfect Genesis as one could ask for.
0: Yeah, you know. and lower the noise floor, right? Right. Because right. that's, that's one of the main benefits, separate audio from video with the triple bypass right. and get a, a clean, clean yeah, version of the audio, right?
1: There was a lot of speculation when the triple bypass first came out. And I, I love it, by the way. I love the contrast of opinions because it helps all of us grow. But a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, you, you don't need to bother on a, like a VA3 Genesis 1. You mm. know, don't bother. It's fine the way it is. And the, while I don't have the, uh, the per- perfect hearing that some of the other people do... The one thing that's very noticeable is if you have a fully recapped mint condition VA3 Genesis, and then you still add the triple bypass, you get less hum. Yes. Just for you know, like the noise floor is is definitely lower. You know, you, you it takes uh, you know it's a lot less interference, and I, I love that. I love that you know you could still improve things that are already good. <laughs> that's
0: right. And and now that you mentioned it, there are several factors that I want to mention. One, it also has a, a noise floor measurement. Mm. It, it contrasts the noise floor, so you can compare if a cable A and cable B, make recording with the same console, mm-hmm. and get which one has better noise floor. And does the cable change anything at all? That's a valid question. Yeah. Does my chain change anything? Having an OSSC inside changes anything? Mm-hmm. Having an audio capture card changes? And you can right. measure that on your own system. Yep. thing is, people think this is only for mothers. It isn't. I, I intended this to be for the general public, right. so that people could just, like, a product claims something, I can check it by myself, buying just a $50 audio card. Right. That was the whole idea, right? Yep. And some laptops, even the, the integrated audio works. It, it's it's a hit on me yeah. scenario, but the idea is, even if that's the case, if you are comparing your own recordings, they will work because you are using the same audio card. Yep. Okay. Thing is, if you want to go general, you need a, a decent quality. Uh, it's not that expensive. You need a decent quality auto card, so it it it's flat, mm-hmm. right? But the idea is uh, the idea was to make it as approachable as possible. I I made uh, documentation for that, mm-hmm. and my idea was to make it accessible. But it seems that it just uh, made people run away from it. <laughs> I think because no. it's 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 long, it it's full of pictures. I know some will make fun of that in, in the Discord, because that's uh, a, a running joke <laughs> in the Discord. Like, yeah. I, I, I put out the document and, 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 and they tell me, our table will say it's just full of pictures. <laughs> but it's, it's like 100 pages long. Mm-hmm. That's what's scary about it. But it's intended to be very basic, mm-hmm. introductory, right? And you can just skip whatever you, you already know right. and go right into it. But the idea is, is anybody can check any two Sega Genesis emulators. Uh, FPGA implementations, mm-hmm. audio cards, cables. That's yep. the whole idea. No.
1: Yeah. So that's by far some of the best documentation I've ever seen, <laughs> and I like how the software is so simple that to get started, you, you pretty much only need to read the first page or two. Yeah. And then when you get your results, then you could use those pictures to scroll through and and learn whatever you need to learn in the moment. So you don't need to go through that 100 pages no. at first. If you'd like to, you could learn a lot, but you could just reference stuff like that.
0: And it's segmented into, into parts. The first part is just audio basics. If you know nothing about digital audio and want to learn something, mm-hmm. go there. If not, skip it. Then it's just like the manual for the thing. Mm-hmm. That's a, just click here, click here, click here. <laughs> and then that's the explanation of what the plots mean. Right. Okay, that's, that's probably the, the only thing that you need to read Mm-hmm. To understand, but basically, you only need to know that it's a flat line, they are perfect. Okay, that's yeah. that's the basic stuff. There's a lot more detail into there, and all the other technical stuff I move it into appendices. Mm-hmm. So, if you really want to know how it works, that's there, but that's at the bottom of the document. You can't, you, you don't need to read that.
1: Yeah, well, there's actually, I mean, there's a step even simpler than that, and I've seen a lot of this in the Discord and people that have. A decent audio card and they have the exact model that we need to test but they don't know anything about testing they don't know anything about modding they can still just send the wave files to the Discord uh, um, and then let the people who are getting used to it go through it so, and,
0: and even just the plots the yeah, idea was that exactly you can just take a png that's like seven Ks. that's true Yeah, and, and share it that's the whole idea yeah right
1: it's awesome um it, uh, it's funny too how a lot of this stuff ends up um you find other uses for it after you've come up with it Yes. because what you were saying about testing cables so many times i get the question what's the best cable or is there a difference between these cables and the truth is it's it's all about your setup you know i when if you tested a cable here on this table with you know not much interference around it you could get a perfect reading out of it and then you go home and you lay it next to your 50 other cables next to your ac outlet who knows what it's going to work like so now if people really want to know like hey you know let me i'll move my console over to my table test it here and i'll move it back and let's see if there's an interference difference it's a great uh tool for troubleshooting so you could figure out what's getting you the interference
0: in that. yeah and that and that came out from the discord because i i already had thought about it but i thought nobody will care about having a noise floor measurement and uh it's it's, it's so tiny because it's like 30 decibels below the signal, mm-hmm. right? But it's meaningful. Uh, they, they pushed me to, to just like, hey, do this, please. And yeah. uh, I already had everything in place. I just had to make a new plot. And it worked, right?
1: That's awesome. You know, a, a real-world uh, example of this is if you're playing through, like, a, a Sony PVM speakers, probably not going to tell the difference between anything. No, But if you have it plugged into a stereo with a subwoofer, You'll noise definitely notice. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it would be impossible not to notice the difference in the. Or even floor.
0: with headphones, you know. Yeah, that's true. As that, well, because you, you, you pick a lot of detail with headphones. Mm-hmm. It's it's the cheapest, simplest way to get high quality audio of any setup. Mm-hmm. Headphones, right? Absolutely. So uh, you, you'll notice a big difference with that.
1: That's very cool. Um, so now you've also ported it over to the PC engine. That's right. Um, I, I don't know much about the revisions of the hardware. Uh, is there something like the VA3 Genesis? Is there a good model PC engine, or is it just preference?
0: It's, it's been said that the super Graphics is a uh, gold standard, and there is some evidence to sustain that because it has a very, very low, low noise floor when compared to the, all the other versions. That would be the, the main, uh, uh, I don't know, advantage of a SuperGraphics, okay. but they all sound different.
1: That's what I thought.
0: So, uh, if you have a super graphics, what? Uh, it, it's a difficult thing. We we decided upon model three, uh, version three of the model one, right? Right. The Genesis, but that was an arbitrary decision. You could you could say, the first revision is the canonical one. You could say that. Yeah. Right. would be fair. Uh, and you could also say the last revision is the canonical one because it was later in development and I they, they decided something. But in Genesis audio, you also have. Not just the evolution and the progression of how audio changed. Mm -hmm. You you also have different uh, production uh, standards. They changed the audio chip. They went from one technology to another. Mm -hmm. They integrated it into an uh, uh, into an uh, an ASIC chip, and several things changed. Right. So we decided upon a a model one version three because there was some distortion on version on version Mm one, some distortion version two. Version three was like. Okay, this is the first revision and it's corrected, so we decided upon that. There's, there's some data to back it up as a decision, right? Right. On PC Engine, you have 13 revisions of the hardware. Okay, and inside those, you have different uh, production, like the Genesis, because in Genesis, we have like six revisions of the hardware, mm-hmm. right? I'm just making up the number, but that's kind of it. You have Model 1, Model 2, Model 3, uh, CDX, and uh, Laser Active. Uh, wonder mega right
1: yep um nomad yeah yeah so hey, nomad there's probably more that we're even forgetting so yeah but but
0: and inside those we care about version one two three four five six right right and in model two we also care about revisions right and also in model three mm-hmm. and pc engine is uh, so not documented in that kind of sense because people thought that it was really really similar okay but audio levels are different you have the PSG generator, that's a programmable uh, channel that, that's kind of a wavetable chip. Mm-hmm. Also, you have the noise that's really different to how it works on, on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's a very pseudo-random and, and very well-distributed signal. It mm-hmm. was so hard to measure it with MD3 because uh, uh, I, I would get different readings with different times. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have the CD audio and you have ADPCM when you have any CD Atom. And those all play different roles and uh, overlap in different ways in different revisions of the console. Mm. So the mixing levels are different. If you play on a TurboGrafx-16 or a Duo R, Mm -hmm. you have different uh, levels of CD-ROM audio and different levels of ADPCM, and the mix is different. And also the, the filtering is different, the curves. So back to your question. Which one should we take as a reference? That's hard to tell. Should we take the original model? Should we take the unfiltered expansion audio model? Should we take the first time they made the audio booster and that is canonical since it was the first time that you could pull stereo out of it? Good should point. we take the last revision? There are, uh, there's so much to dig into that. Uh, we put well, I put out all the data. I need to put an analysis on it. that's a lot of work but i i decided to just release it because i've been holding for it for two months Mm -hmm. i had it ready two months ago Mm -hmm. but there's so much information that i couldn't process everything since i was working on on different things we noticed that frame rate changes the audio right and uh that's a general thing Mm -hmm. so a PAL console cannot sound the same way as an NTSC console Mm -hmm. ever right and also we concluded that That frame rate difference also uh, affects emulators. Mm -hmm. So non-perfect matches could be just due to frame rate.
1: That's crazy. It is. So I think, unfortunately, in order to get it, if, if people care enough about PC Engine Audio in order to get a baseline, you would have to find every revision replace the capacitors because when the capacitors get old we, at the very least you might hear um, level differences yes but that's something that we definitely proved with the with the, your software and then you'd have to take all of the different revisions with the new capacitors and their examples and then decide which one of those looks the best to you so there might and not be an answer
0: you, you brought out some very interesting points first the software can also be used to tell if your console needs new capacitors or not mm-hmm. okay it can also tell you if new capacitors made any difference or not right in general uh they don't make a difference unless there was a problem right okay but it's recommended that you re- uh, recap the thing in those units that leak right right as a preventive measure it's completely recommended mm-hmm. in PC engine we found several revisions that do change audio after, after recap mm. the set does have it because they were leaking Okay, right. of course they'll change, but some other units don't change the audio at all, but you can measure that. And also, uh, one other feature in CD versions of the md Fourier software is that it can tell you how long the CD-ROM takes to to load. And so it you can gives tell you if the your laser
1: is, uh, aging. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. I didn't even realize that was in there. Yeah, it that's is. That's very cool. Yeah, you know, you did remind me, though, that um, I think uh, I got a VA3 Genesis that a friend of mine was actually kind of awesome. I tweeted, does anybody have a VA3 Model 1? And somebody that lives a few blocks away in Manhattan said, I do. I'll walk up right now with this. Awesome. It was very cool. But uh, that was actually in great condition. And then Firebrand X changed the capacitors anyway, to the best ones that he could find, the highest Mm -hmm. temperature rating. Yeah, Nikion and... and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it it mostly didn't make any difference at all. Um, one of them was must have been aging because there was a, a level difference, yeah. um, a stereo balance difference. Yeah, it tells
0: you that too. It tells you if, if yeah. any channel is, is off.
1: Right, yeah. So that's good to know in that people don't have to go and spend a lot of money on some good capacitor to boost your audio. Just as long as the capacitors aren't bad, everything sounds fine.
0: That's so. right. But uh, just, uh, just to make this very clear, Recap is recommended. Oh, absolutely! Right? Because it, they will eventually leak. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's uh, it's not snake oil, right? Right. But uh, but it won't necessarily change the audio. But you can now audit that if somebody if some other tells you this will fix it, mm-hmm. right? You can just verify it by yourself. Yep. Have a recording before, have a recording after, and and we can all learn because this is a learning process, right? Yeah. It's the stuff that just just hasn't been measured before.
1: Yeah. Maybe someday we'll be able to figure out, or or, or companies will make a capacitor that could replace these mm. that performs the same but doesn't leak. So
0: that's it's a cost issue in yeah. general and frequency response issue. But mm. yes, capacitors bad capacitors can really change the signal. Yeah, that's also for sure.
1: Hmm. So um, I think during our first interview years ago now, um, <laughs> you had said something to me, and in the moment it. Um, I guess I didn't realize how important it was in the moment, but it stuck with me, and it changed. It changed the way that I approach the things on the website, and I approach pretty much the way I go about all of these things. And I think I just asked uh, uh, your opinion on, you know, what's the the best console, the best version of something, and he said, mm-hmm. "Well, what is the best? What does the best mean? You know, the best mm-hmm. could be different to other people." And in the moment, you know, I I just took it in the context of whatever we were talking about and then it really started to get me thinking in that you know what is what does the best mean and that's why that really started the shift in the website to not just getting the clearest picture quality and the, you know the most accurate audio and i'm still obviously super into that but um uh, the talk i've been giving all this year is just how to how to get started in gaming that that's not a bad experience because okay. i could absolutely explain to you what a bad experience is of course but Everybody has a different level of what's good enough for them. I agree. And there is no best, really.
0: No, when when somebody asks me, because that happens a lot, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what what should I buy? Which is, which is the best, mm-hmm. right? And uh, what I tell him is, have you have you ever just pulled out a piece of paper and, and wrote down what do you need, what do you expect, how much you have, mm-hmm. what do you care about? Yep. And prioritize those. It's it's something that seems. Uh, what but mm-hmm. it's something that you should do when you buy a car when yeah. you go for a rental whatever i mean n- maybe not go the nerdy way and do it like you wait <laughs> right. it right it would be awesome but mm-hmm. no uh, but you have to know what are your priorities your necessities you know and, and what you expect uh, expect out of it mm-hmm. because that way you can find what's best for you like right. i told you because that's that's also a, a perspective i've been trying to push out because uh uh, it, it's meaningless what I consider the best for myself in your context. Like you said, mm-hmm. if you ha- I have this cable in this table, right? But mm-hmm. you have other setup; it'll it'll change completely. So, yeah, uh, yes, you can have a good idea, or, or you can ask people why do you prefer that,
1: right. right? Right.
0: But but not necessarily that's going to be the best for you. I get that most people do that because uh, they don't want to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. They want just a, uh I don't know they they want just a, a shortcut mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the that's the the idea no you get a shortcut and you get the best since you're asking the guy that knows about it right right but that doesn't mean that it will uh it will work for you
1: uh, i i agree 100 percent. and also from from my perspective of somebody that's always recommending products it also means that you, just because somebody says, oh, this is the best for me, doesn't mean you have to spend that much money to no. enjoy it as much as that person. No. And I love that you use the car reference, because that's what I was using in my panel talk. And uh, that's funny, because it's the same thing. Like, what's the best car? Well, what are you doing? Are you racing? Are you, you know, do you need to carry equipment? How many, how many people are getting in the car? Like, there yeah. is no what's the best car. No. And, and also, so. you
0: have to factor in, did you just want it to show off? <laughs> right? Right. right. Uh, and it's a valid point. Mm-hmm. Okay? Some people just go, "No, that's elitist." Well, if he wants to do that, if right. he wants to show, that's good. Okay, that's that's his use case, not yours. Yep. You have to decide upon your own.
1: Yeah, you know, there's um there's a lot of people that I've talked to in the Q&A sections of the panels that I do afterwards. And it, it's funny because a lot of a lot of people have the mentality of, and I, I completely agree with this, by the way, if, if this is what you want to do. But some people have the mentality of, you know, I'm I'm an adult now. I saved my money. I don't have time to play games that much. And when I do, I don't want to be distracted by anything. I want to have the clearest picture. I want what whatever whatever everybody thinks is the best. And that way, I can just turn on my console and not and only just enjoy it. And I completely respect that hundred percent some people uh some people that's video based some people that's audio based they could play on composite video, but if the audio is crackly it'll drive them crazy so that's uh it's very cool so thank you for 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 pushing that. To me, that in our last interview, that's, because that's it, awesome. it really did, like it, it completely changed the way I approach all that now. And while I'm confident in telling people what not to buy, that's awesome. That's a great <laughs> point. I you know, yeah. spreading it out and what it, all your choices are.
0: I'm really glad about that. And also, there's there's one other point that why should the general best recipe should be avoided. Sometimes that's just a myth. True. Sometimes the best is just the the best that was known 15 years ago with no knowledge. Right. Right, and that gets just like pushed and, and forever.
1: You know that's that's an excellent point, and I, I don't want to name any names because I don't I, I never intend to. We're all learning people, here, but yeah, but there are a few companies where for a while people people thought, oh, the you know the number one, two, three super gun's the best. That's the one you have to buy, mm-hmm. or you know the the three, four, five remake of this console is the best, and it really just turned into a myth. And then when you start to break these things down, you realize that sometimes they're no better or worse than others sometimes they're not even that Uh, good uh,
0: it was the best for that person
1: was the best for that person or it was just a stigma a myth that that was never it was never the best it was just okay and people started calling it the best yes it's something yeah that's uh, it's good to always question that stuff Yeah. so every time (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. um do you have any other projects that you're working on at the moment so i mean the 240p test suite and MD4A are pretty huge projects, so I don't I don't expect you to be working on something else that big. But were there any other fun things that you've been working on?
0: Not recently. I, I worked on the CPS2 Suicide project, right, and a few other things to help diagnose arcade PCBs. Mm-hmm. But no, not not something big. I I I don't know. I want to update all versions of the suite and get M V 4 a on every single one of those, mm-hmm. if possible. Uh, because uh, not every single time it will be completely possible. And I'd li- I, I'd love to get like a, a kind of 240p test suite and md 4 year on arcade boards, every Ooh, single one of them. Yeah. Because, you know, we're at the time when, when we are replicating them with mystery, we we have mm-hmm. emulation, with a, but we are not sure about the analog output or the behavior, right? right? And I'd love to have just like basic stuff that would help you, a grid and... Uh, and a, a test a tone sweep on every one of those, but that 's like a lifelong project i I would love some people <laughs> dropping into into this stuff because it takes so much time to just like fine tune everything mm-hmm. and uh have it user friendly and and just like a drop in replacement md four as I told you it was like done in four days mm-hmm. But making it like user friendly it took like two months right right so it's, it's i 'd love to be working on something else, but i 'm not I'm saturated with stuff I want to work on. I don't know what the next version of md 4 would be. Uh, I don't know if Batch is going to go into the NES version. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll drop in for that. Mm-hmm. And also, maybe as NES.
1: Mm, that would be cool, too. Yes. Yeah, The um, so that, that brings up two different points. So the the quick one is, yeah, there's also um, lots of myths about different Super Nintendo audio. So mm-hmm. it would be cool to eventually get rid of that. Uh, to to find out the truth about that. But um, what you just said reminded me of a question I forgot to ask earlier, in that um, if somebody wants to port the 240p test feed to other platforms, um, you basically, you would need an SDK to get it running on it, right? But you would also need to know the exact resolution that the platforms run on so that the test patterns are formatted properly for that. Yeah. Um, So for things like the checkerboard pattern, um, is that something that you would just you know you would make a, a high def version and cut out whatever the resolution is and then put that in or
0: well it, it it's it would be self explanatory once you are into the console okay. okay that's that's basically the reason i never pushed out the nintendo 64 version mm-hmm. i have i've had that beta for like I, I was working on that when we when when you made that interview to me i remember right? yeah yeah but uh, i just dropped it and, and i dropped it because um, there there's an issue it is the n64 crops the borders and making that user friendly is a nightmare because I'm gonna push the grid, but it isn't 320 by 240. It's 316 by 236 or something like that, right. and people would go crazy thinking it's their setup. Right. Right. And I don't wanna. I don't wanna push that, or or, or I would need to flash a big warning. Right? right. Like this is supposed to look like this. It's not uniform. It's wrong. But that's the way it is, right? I, I would need to do that. But the thing is, uh, you, you learn when, when you start doing that port, you you kind of figure out that, and also you have the limitation of the SDK. Or if you're doing it in pure assembly, well, you you have to learn the intricacies of each console. Yeah. So it's it's something that you kind of push on every single one. Like the PC engine is really really uh, dynamic. You have uh, you have control on the horizontal resolution up to five hundred and twelve real 512 unlike the snes hmm. right and, and you can push 256 to 520 5, 512 uh, uh, as you wish and i decided upon the patterns that you have to go through the software library figure out which uh, resolutions were commonly used right and graph those and put those as examples right like our uh, type uses a specific resolution in pc engine and i place that in the grids and every and every pattern that used the checkerboard Etc. So it jumps. So it's a nightmare when you want to use like an OSC with a PC engine oh, right. because it'll be jumping between uh, 256, 512, and uh, 356 and Jeez. 320. Like the next 68,000, same thing.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny if you use the Mister um, and you have it set to show resolution every time the resolution changes. Okay. I was just playing Crusader of Senti and you boot the game and it's 320. And then the title screen's in 256, and then the, you know, the save game's in 320, and then the game's in 320, but, you know, it's just, it's all over the place. And yeah. it's, I would have never noticed that, obviously, on a CRT, so having, um, playing it on the Mr., and even on a CRT, it still has the little resolution thing in the corner. It was, it was really a wake-up call to see how, how resolution was used on CRTs and those classic consoles, and how a nightmare it's going to be. Uh, And that's
0: mainly a ROM issue, because you save space by running in 256. Mm -hmm. When you need low resolution, you go for that, because you save ROM space. And that was the genius part when they designed the SNES. They decided to go with 256 instead of 320. Mm -hmm. And nobody noticed it. It would be like a a whole mess today if uh, Xbox was 40% less resolution than PlayStation, right? Right, yeah. And that happened with Genesis and SNES. But nobody made a big deal about it because it wasn't noticeable. Right. Right, or, or we didn't obsess over that stuff back then.
1: We wouldn't have known it back then. Yeah. So
0: Unless you were into it, right? With.
1: Right, yeah. But, I mean, your average gamer, I mean, there, you know, it, everything was square. Well, it's square-ish. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's the, you, there's no way you could have told or been able to tell the difference unless you were the one programming the game. That's why
0: everything is so chunky on the SNES. Yeah. It, it has a very particular look because of that. And that's why also Genesis games kind of look slender. Yep, that's it. It's the horizons for a solution. Change the stand.
1: Yeah, there and there's that debate which I never get into and in, uh you know when they were programming Sega Genesis games mm. uh you know the the circles in in Sonic the Hedgehog is it supposed to be a circle or is it supposed to be an oval and some people argue that you know when at that point they were using PC monitors in order to make the game, so everything was in the right resolution. And yeah,
0: but the director saw that on the CRT, so
1: right. What's yeah. the right answer? Yeah. I don't really care to be honest with you. I, I just I always play on a CRT, so however that looks is the right answer to me. That's right, but I, it just makes no difference to me.
0: I think that I, I do have a stance on that. I think that the CRT is the canonical response, mm-hmm. and that means that the aspect ratio stretched to 4.3, is the right response. Even though if the original developers messed up. But mm. well, they should have known that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can argue that was the original intent and it was supposed to be a circle. But mm-hmm. it never was.
1: Yeah. Right? Well. As a kid, not one, I mean, it was always an oval in Sonic. So it's, uh, yeah. To, to me, that's how I want to play the games anyway. My mm. preference is on a CRT. So that's how I'm going to see them.
0: Yeah. But okay. the thing is having the options, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you want square pixels? Go with that. Absolutely. You want the... the Canonical NTSC rectangular pixels, go with that, but have the option. Yeah. What I really hate is that uh, sometimes when things go mainstream, they destroy the options for the niche. Like going all digital, it destroys the options for the ways that collect physical. Mm-hmm. But that's how the mainstream works. Yep. Right? Thing is, as a community, we can have options, and that's cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, having options and being able to choose which way you want to play it. And even now with HD rendering of older games or 16 by 9 rendering, not stretching it. You know, when uh, some of the demos that we've seen where you start walking around in Zelda and it draws the full screen. So I, I really like that too. I'd like to experiment with that. Um, but it's so many great choices. And I'm yes. really looking forward to seeing as as chips and processors get faster, rendering things like... PlayStation One and Two and 64, the 3D graphics being rendered in HD. Okay. 2D. In my my personal preference, just a, just an opinion, is that 2D games should retain that look, but the 3D polygon graphics, in my opinion, would always look better if they were rendered at a higher resolution, even though it's not the original look. So I'm interested to see how that pans out. Maybe I'll change my mind a few years from now when I get to. Well, who to play can? It.
0: Who can tell? But but the thing is, you can do high-level emulation there. Yeah. And have some. In reality, that's what we used to do with MAME and most emulators. Mm-hmm. It, it, 2D was rendered in, in, in high level, right? Right. We're getting to a point that it's rendering low level, mm-hmm. and, and we have uh, simulations or, or FPGA implementations of every single chip, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the gold standard. Yep. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, it would be awesome to have both options.
1: Right, right. And, you know, there's there's people out there that are trying to make that happen. Yes. Um, and I
0: Admirable just, work.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm really I'm just interested to see how it transpires and what we get to experience with it. But it's cool that there's all these different things coming on now. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming here and for, for doing the interview and everything. This is great. I'm so glad I finally got to meet you in person. And, so uh, am
0: I. I'm really thankful for being here i love it
1: oh i'm glad Uh, we you know we should try to figure out a way to get together every year or every two years or something and that way all of us who talk all the time together can hang out in person yes it's uh, it's always it's always so strange to me how many people i meet i give a big hug to and say nice to meet you that i've talked to for years before so
0: it's so strange it's one of the things that this generation gets to experience firsthand
1: yeah yeah. Because
0: it's 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 strange. Our regeneration in particular doesn't do like video chats or we we, we text. Right. Right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of, it's way better in person.
1: Always, absolutely, and even interviews too. Because selfishly, whenever I do the Skype interviews, there's always that delay, and it yeah. feels different. Awkward, so. right? Yeah. Yeah. I always end up talking over people because there's that delay and, you know, no one knows if it's their turn to talk or not. So, I don't know. This is awesome. But thank you very much. Um, You know, thank you all for listening. And we'll definitely do this again.
0: Yeah, love it. Thank you, Bob.